0: Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Okay. Oh, it's so good to be back from deep underground in Staten Island's Beer Bunker slash Virtual Saloon. Welcome to another episode of Three Beers In, the craft beer show, bringing you the latest beer news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm your host, Dom, and this is episode number 189. And we are listening, <laughs> listening to me uh, talk about beer, and uh, this week we are drinking, we, you, me, we. Oh shit, I dropped my paper. We're drinking Sweetwater Brewing Company Fresh Sticky Nugs. This is interesting because this is a double IPA coming out of Georgia. Now, the, the thing about Sweetwater is that, oh, sh- did I touch this here? Hello, hello? Oh, sorry. There's a switch on the mic. Sorry. Uh, Sweetwater, you you're definitely familiar with them because you've seen their they have a very famous logo, the Sweetwater 420, like Interstate 420. I think it's an ale or something, but it's the interstate it's the interstate symbol um, <clears throat> with the numbers 420 in it. I don't think it has anything to do with marijuana, but uh, I know for a fact that uh, that's a beer that I've seen over and over again uh, that I've never part- wanted to partake in uh, because I thought they were not a craft brewery. Um, but lo and behold, they are part of the craft breweries association. Um, I didn't think they were a craft brewery because I took a look at their website and it is so polished and so nice. Now I have a fantastic website called uh, www.threebeersin.com. You can go there right now. We have a contact us section and we have a merch section. I answer all the emails that I get. Uh, some of them might even make it to the air, but most of them don't. Um, but uh, like I said, very polished website, which made me think there's a lot of money going into this place here. But then again, maybe Georgia doesn't have a lot of place that has really great beer. And um, that's why we are in the situation that we're in with uh, with um, them maybe getting all of the market down there. Oh, here we go. We are lapping it up here. I just finished some of Flagship's newest—oh, shit. got a little close there. Some of their newest offerings, uh, which was the Little Baby IPA. Uh, oh, damn it. I shouldn't have done this. Okay. Uh, God, there's so much going on here. I I haven't done an episode since, uh, February 14th, which was Valentine's day. And I hope that everyone had a really wonderful Valentine's day. I hope your March came in like a lion or left like a lamb. I don't know how it works. One of those things And I'm not trying to bite off a Bill Burr or anything like that, but right now I am drinking, uh, from Kronbacher, uh, their hell, their hell is lager. And it says here on the can number one beer brand in Germany, five percent alcohol by volume. Um, you know this is this is a, a similar a similar flavor to a typical German Pilsner, but it's a little bit sweeter. Uh, but so it's a very refreshing, delicious beer. If you could ever get your hands on a hella's lager, if you if you're ever in a situation where you're you're faced with I gotta get beer for something, especially especially in the summertime too because these beers are really good in the summer you want to get yourselves you want to get yourself a, a either a, a german pilsner a kolsch or a helles lager you're not going to go wrong with any of those beers they're all going to be fantastic and they're going to be a hit people are going to tell you wow Dom, this beer is really good or whoever you are like oh, this beer is really good you know german beer is just so drinkable and so fantastic but and that's if you don't want to pick up some craft stuff you know what i mean if you're if you're um If you want to impress your friends with some craft beer, you listen to this show and you're going to be able to do it. So I've had, in the fridge right now, I made a little trip to Beverage Island, okay? Didn't have to go because I had show beer on deck. But Hurricane Matt Daly had put me on a special quest to see if I can get some KCBC gulp fiction for him to send it down to North Carolina. But, uh, lo and behold, there was none there. But they did have a fresh stock of the new beers from Staten Island. That's right, they had the... Killsborough Pilsner. I I'm butchering the name. Let me just look it up real quick. I, I I don't like to do that. I don't like to butcher the names of um of the beer. It's it's it is a, a a Bavarian style Pilsner, which just it just calls to my heart when you hear something like that. I mean, literally look at look at what we're doing here, and look at how I'm always talking about German beers and stuff like that. It's a Kilsner. They call it the Kilsner. German Pilsner 4.9. You know, the 4.9 ABV really has me going. And they have, they have here um, on their Instagram a uh, I think it's on their Instagram. They have more of a um description here. New challenger has appear appeared. Excuse me, the beer's been flowing. Our first lager of 2021, the Kilsner, pays homage to the classic German Pilsner style featuring only German ingredients. Now that right off the bat just got me just hooked into this, including German Pilsner malt. Hollertal Magnum, Tetning, Pearl, and Hollertal uh, Hollertal, uh, Blanc Hops, clocking in 5%, uh, although the cans, I think, says 4.8, with a crisp and clean finish. means you'll probably be enjoying a few of these these in one sitting. It looks clear as fuck. I haven't had it yet because, like I said, I went for the flagship Little Baby IPA, which is a Session IPA uh, on EAPA. Um, It was good. I mean, it uh, was... I don't think I would get it again. Listen, you're going to get honest opinions here on Three Beers In. That's what it's all about, and I understand that a Session IPA is what it is. It came in, I think, I think they came in at a four point eight or a five, so it was a lower one. Uh, it smelled really good, and then the flavors, you know, it was it was a dry finish. The hop power was there, uh, and it kind of fluttered out a little bit. You, you could expect that with a Session IPA. I'm a little, I'm happy with the offering. I'm happy with what they did. I liked it better than their Swamp thing. Um, but I don't think I liked it better than their regular IPA with one with the tiger on it. I, I forgot the name of it uh, off the top of my head. But, um, you know, if they made a big baby IPA, because the hop the hop um, profile is there. Uh, let me just go to their Instagram real quick to uh, to tell you what they have in their <clears throat> in their profile there. Uh, this, I also picked up their Irish coffee stout, but I'm not going to have that until St. Patrick's Day. Uh, that is going to be when I uh, go for that uh the little baby IPA uh fresh off the line here what does it we got it's not telling me right now uh what do we got what do we got what do we got it's a, uh, i don't have a can on me it's got cashmere in it it's got i think um Muteca hops in it it it's got it's got the hops that you want in a um a juice bomb make your yeah they're not really listing it here i'm looking around oh here we go Double Dry hot with Moteca, uh, Yukonot, Cashmere, and Mosaic Hops. That, that, that's a great sounding profile. The fl- And, you know, when I saw that it was a session, I knew that the flavors probably weren't going to be as um punchy. And, and that comes through. But it was crushable. It was nice. Uh, I have some more in there. I'm going to enjoy that for sure. Right, I'm having the Kronbacher Hell, and I'm really happy to have you guys here with me today. I'm really glad that I am here doing another episode. Here we are in March. Let's give this Hell's a try mm. oh cheers everybody i, th- I think i want to incorporate like a first sip or something because uh, like my vision is that people are drinking with me while we do the show that'd be really really good oh the hell is lager so malty so so fresh and delicious you're gonna you would love a hell is it's a great change up from uh from from uh, the, the beers that we usually have here as craft beer drinkers. Now, I never really do this, okay, guys? But I got to tell you, I've been jamming out to this album from Red City Radio, it's called. It's a self-titled album. It is like if Randy Newman had a rock and roll band, that's what we're getting right here. It's catchy. It's fun. Like if I was at Nuremberg or like Pepper Jack or something, or I think it's called The Local now, which is like a, a bar, grill, uh, you know, it's a restaurant uh, close by, and Nuremberg has the beer hall where it has a stage and a band can play. If I knew this band was playing, I would go out and drink and listen to this band. It's, a, it's a, it just it's very catchy. great melodies you find yourself kind of singing along to the uh, to the choruses. So I give you I give you this the Red City radio band self-titled album fun fun thing to listen to if you've got nothing else to do, just pop it on and see if you like it. You might take you two listens to really enjoy it. Because uh, you gotta you gotta get the feel for it, but it's great. Like I said again, Randy Newman having a rock and roll band you're gonna you're gonna know immediately. You know what? Maybe I could no, I'm not gonna play it because I don't want to get sued or anything like that. But you're gonna hear Randy Newman immediately, right? And and the guy is not that bad. I mean, Randy Newman is bad, but the lyricist, I mean, the uh, the vocalist for the Red City Radio uh, album here is pretty good. Um, what do we got here? What else? Was oh God, I have a very I just realize I have a really bad cigar addiction, okay? So I have a big tupper door upstairs which is a it it's the cheap way of storing your cigars. I talked about it before. You put your humidifying like pads in there, the Boveda humidifying packets in there and it's an airtight Tupperware and that's basically, you know what you do. But I'll tell you what, I have over 60 cigars, uh, you know, I I think I told you guys about this before. Cigarbid.com is a very dangerous website. If you haven't been there, if you're a little bit of a cigar aficionado, or you like cigars, you go to cigarbid.com and you find yourself some fucking gems that you bid on. I got some some fucking uh, Caldwells on there that usually everything, you know, when you look at what the retail prices are, you're talking about like $73 for a 5-pack and you get it for 20 bucks. Are you fucking kidding me? Right, you can't be, you can't pass that up. But when you all of a sudden have seventy cigars, okay, I can. It would take me a year if I had a cigar a week for Christ's sake, more than a year. It's insane. It's too much. It's way too much. So I gotta like stay off of the cigarbid.com because I'm just going to either kill myself or kill my wallet. You know. So I got all these cigars. If anybody wants to have a cigar with me, come on over. When the weather gets nicer, we'll sit out in the yard. We'll have a cigar and we'll, it's going to be great. Summer's going to be really lit. I understand now because of this pandemic and how things have been. Back in the pandemic, uh, summer of pandemic, back in the day there, 2020, you know, you were afraid to go outside. But 2021, I am going to be, every weekend, I am going to be, I'm, I think I'm going to take the podcast stuff outside. I am going to do a podcast outside maybe. I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. But I know for a fact I'm going to be outside every fucking weekend of my life. I want to be and it's going to be margarita summer, okay? Sticks and margaritas, okay? Cigars and margaritas. I don't care. There's a lot of stigmatism around margaritas, okay? There really is. Okay? Mm. You know, we're living in a world of of like acceptance and cancel cultures and if you if you're going to hate on me for loving margaritas, I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to get you canceled. I love margaritas. Okay. I go to this little bar. So I'm with my coworkers, right? And and like we only went like twice during the pandemic. It was like I would say about maybe six months ago and then um two weeks ago. Because we all know each other, we're all around each other every fucking I mean, almost every day, right? None of us have had COVID or anything like that. We're very, very safe. Work for healthcare. So uh it's like let's do the happy hour at Mad Dog, Mad Dog and Beans. Uh, John street, I think it is in Manhattan financial district. Actually, it's kind of like downtown. Anyway, uh, I go in there and I'm like, I have a one track mind. I don't want any beer. I don't want any fucking sangrias. I don't want any gin and tonic is pretty good, but I don't want any of that stuff. I want the fucking margaritas. This is going to be a margarita summer. I've, I've, I've established that. I have like one of those ninja fucking blenders upstairs. The weekend starts Saturday hits. Saturday at four thirty. Every Saturday at four thirty, I'm whipping up margaritas. If you're if you're in the area, and you're vaccinated, and you want to stay within six, uh, you know, away from me six feet, you will have cigars and margaritas at this at this backyard over here. I swear to fucking God, I don't I don't care any. I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't care anymore. I care that stuff's going on, but I'm gonna live it up this summer for sure. I'm going to barbecue. I'm going to fucking smoke ribs for 12 hours. I don't give a shit. It's going to be fucking awesome. So sticks and margaritas, that's what's going to be happening. And not to mention also, got a little new new music going on here. All right, we got something else cooked up here. Sumo starts again next week. My birthday weekend, by the way. Right? Check it out. And congratulations. To show who won the Basho last? Uh, uh, to uh, was it uh, February? Was it February the Basho? No, it was January first Basho. Um, really excited for the Sumo to be coming back. Um, just hold on one second. Just like last time, I'm going to make sure that I am able to at least provide a link where you're able to watch the Sumo because I talk about it almost every single time I uh, I do a show. I talk about the. Um, the the whatchamacallit? The uh I'm look, I'm gonna lose four words here. What the fuck am I saying here? I'm talking about sumo all the time, okay? I talk about it all the time. We got the the March Banzuke coming up. Uh hopefully we get some Yokozunas here. We had a lot of no Kozunas going on because once they get Yokozunas, once they get their rank, they have it for life. That means if they get hurt, they can pull out. They're not gonna lose their rank. Everyone else, if you get hurt and pull out or anything like that you you could lose your rank. Like, for example, Takakesho, very popular sumo wrestler, someone who was in the, in the talking of being uh, of the next Yokozuna. What happened is he got hurt last Basho, and uh, he pulled out of the tournament, and now he, as a Ozeki, he has Katoban. He's been Katoban, which means that he has to have at least, because he left, he has to get at least eight wins, uh, or ten wins, I believe. It's one of the two. Or he will lose his rank and he will go back to like Magashira 1 or maybe they'll slip him into a second Wakuya Komosubi. But uh, nonetheless, the uh, you know, the the Yokozunas, if they get hurt and stuff like that, they have the luxury of just pulling out and stuff. So we haven't seen Hakuho. We haven't seen Kakaru. They're going to be, they should be coming back for uh, this Basho, which is really exciting because a lot of the times when people, uh, when these Rikishi win uh, tournaments without there being a yokozuna present there kind of is a little bit of an asterisk because you never had to beat a yokozuna uh to get your excuse me uh to win the basho so this this um this basho coming up i'm rooting for takakei show i got my money on uh Terna fuji uh i also believe i put my money on takanosho a lot of taka always go for the taco uh, what else do I have here? I think I I wanted to put I, I, was it Endo, I think, Tamawashi, Ichinojo, Tochi Notion, Katanawaka, all these guys. They're just wonderful to watch. And again, like I always talk about the sumo on here, just briefly. I don't go too crazy with it. Um, if you're interested at all to watch sumo, it's a very, very simple sport to get into. And it's it's just fun to watch. That's, that's what it's all about for me. It's a little similar. So speaking of new music, right, when we have now Mount Rush the Mount Rushmore of Three Beers In is very important. Um, as of right now, season four of Three Beers In on the Mount Rushmore, we have nothing for the lager. Uh, Double Vision hit an 8.0 uh, uh, on the 31st of January. Nothing for the stout. And we have a 9.4 from Paracosm on the guest tap list here. So lager, ale, stout, and guest tap slash seasonal sort of type of thing. That's what we have for the the um, the um Mount Rushmore for this season. And from now on, when we hit a Mount Rushmore, uh, we're going to play, because I, I made a post earlier today um, regarding I only go screaming cowboy for uh, one thing and one thing only. And uh, it was Julius. But I'm going to go screaming cowboy from now on when it comes to the Mount Rushmore. And this is uh, the Screaming Cowboy. Jesus Christ. There it is. So what's going to happen is when we hit a Mount Rushmore, I'm going to play that part of the song Big Enough by Kieran Callinan. Kieran Callinan, a man of Sydney, Australia. Now, that's from a song called Big Enough, which is, it became a meme, okay, because of that scene there. First of all, the song makes no sense being that we're talking about music today and I talked about Red City Radio, whatever it was, um, you know, this song, this particular song where we get the Screaming Cowboy from is the weirdest, worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm just going to give you some of the lyrics of the song. I've lived in lonely cities. I've crossed deserts on Camelback and I've filled the halls of folklore with things I'd rather we forget. I could sweep you off the street. So saying this is goddamn tough. But this town might be big enough for both of us. So it makes no sense. He talks about eating his horse in the fucking, in the song. And he's like a cowboy in the song. He's a guy from Australia. So this is going to be my homage to Rob Obenmeyer, who's out there in Australia, where we have this part in the song where a very famous Australian um, musician named Jimmy Barnes, he's a Scottish Australian uh, singer, songwriter, musician. Who is like, I guess he's kinda like the Bruce Springsteen of Australia. And like I remember when, whatchamacallit? I remember when Erin, who is Rob's fiance, she came around. I had heard about this song, Big Enough, with the Screaming Cowboy. It's a meme, by the way, where he's in the he's in a mountain and he's like this like this this figure that's like this ghost like figure in the mountain who's just screaming. That's just him screaming. So, again, this is like the Bruce Springsteen of Australia, and I remember I brought up, like, I really like Jimmy Barnes, and she literally lost her shit. This guy has, like, an album called, like, For the Working Class Man. Um, He's won Producer of the Year nominee. He, like, he won Australian-type Grammys and stuff like that. So he's a pretty big musician, And for him to be in this song, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a cringy joke type thing because he's like, imagine Bruce Springsteen coming in on like a meme joke song, like almost like um, when Miley Cyrus's dad was, Billy Ray Cyrus, was in on like that fucking Old Town Road song. Like that wasn't, that became a meme. Like that wasn't a really good song and it was very meme-ish, right? So from now on, when we have ourselves a a Mount Rushmore, we're gonna hear Screaming Cowboy. Cause I think that's pretty interesting and cool. And again, homage to Rob Overmeyer, because he's Australian now. I think he's about to get his uh his citizenship and stuff. But uh what happens here is uh we see that well whenever we hit this uh whenever we get a Mount Rushmore beer, we're gonna hear Jimmy Barnes screaming and that you're always going to think of Australia when that happens. So let's get to the hops of the week, shall we? Because, because of the fact that uh, Sweetwater has included in their description the hops that they're using, we are going to bring the hops up right now, and they are the Sabro and Lotus hops. Now, I thought that I had already talked about these hops before on the show, but I couldn't find them. But anyway... Uh, they're not on hoplist.com so they're very they're newer hops than what we're usually used to talking about so the first one we're going to get into is the Sabro 1090 hops and this is from Yakima Valley or yakimavalleyhops.com really cool cuz they have these nice big like graphic um uh, graphics actually that I'm trying to <laughs> so sorry about that that you could read off of here. So Sabro hops, the pop profile Sabro brand HBC 438 developed by the hop breeding company and released in 2018. Sabro is an aroma hop that is notable for its complexity of fruity and citrus flavors and imparts distinct tangerine, coconut, tropical fruit, and stone fruit aromas with hints of cedar, mint, and cream. Sabro's pedigree is the result of a unique cross pollination of a female Neo-Mexicanus hop uh, with a robust brewing performance, Sabro proves to be a strongly expressive hop that translates its flavor incredibly well into beer. So it says that it has the strong fruit flavors. Uh oh shit. Well, that's gonna that's gonna ruin that's gonna kinda ruin I'm gonna decline that call because I don't know who that is. I'm so sorry about that. Anyway, uh, the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 12 to 16%. And it can be used in wheat, ales, golden ales, American-style lagers, pale ales, India pale ales, uh, session IPAs, Niapas, and imperial IPAs. So really interesting here. Flavor of sweet fruit, cream caramel, and citrus. The next thing we have is the Lotus Hop. Uh, It is the latest experimental hop variety developed under the Hopsteiner breeding program, to now be available to home brewers. This is from morebeer.com. This tenacious hop outperformed thousands of brothers and sisters born of the initial crossbreeding and survived a decade-long journey to become the hottest addition to Hopsteiner's unique portfolio of exciting new hop varieties. Lotus displays exceptional aromatic characteristics boasting waves of orange and vanilla, followed by notes of candied grape and tropical fruit aromas. Lotus's genetic origin stems from the Eastern Gold, a Japanese hop variety dating back to the 1930s, followed by a mix of Cascade and a USDA male. The USDA male was bred from an open-pollinated seedling of a wild American hop developed at Y College in England. The cross between the USDA male and the Neomexicanus... Heritage adds an additional layer of complexity and uniqueness, uniqueness to this variety. The alpha acid composition is thirteen, anywhere from 13 to 17%. That's pretty wide range there. And I'm pretty excited to try these beers because I haven't had them yet. Like I said, I'm having the Kronbacher right now, so we're going to see what it's all about. But this is a pretty interesting uh, pro... F- what the fuck? Style is, oh, Jesus Christ. Wait! Stop! Stop yelling. 10 a.m. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. So she hung up on you. So then, and then she's like, Bye. Well, I'm glad you stood up for yourself. You know. Because now people in the woodwork to call me and now don't rush it. Who the fuck in the woodwork? Who the woodwork? Like, well, well, thank you all for still listening. If you're here. That was my lovely wife just bursting into the room, scaring the ever-living shit out of me, okay? And um, I'm, I'm, I, th- I almost pissed myself as she came in here, barreling in here, scaring me right after we did the, uh, the beer review. I'm not the beer review. Jesus, now I'm all scrambled. But it is Women's Month. So, therefore, she's entitled to do that, to scare me. But here's the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. All right. It is Women's Month, and this is from theconversation.com. This is written by Lakin Brooks. She's a doctoral student of English in the University of Florida. And she writes here, The women women used to dominate the beer industry until the witch accusations started pouring in. Very interesting article here. They have three women dressed in the period garb as alewives with tall hats that became part of witch iconography. Very interesting article here. We have, what do witches have to do with your favorite beer? When I posed this question to students in my American literature and cultural classes, I received stunned silence and nervous laughs. The Sanderson sisters didn't chug down bottles of Sam Adams in hocus pocus. But the history of beer points to a not-so-magical legacy of transatlantic slander and gender roles. Up until the 1500s, brewing was primarily women's work. That is, until a smear campaign accused women brewers of being witches. Much of the iconography... uh, Icon... Icon... Much of the icons we associate with witches today, from the pointy hat to the broom... Emerge from their connection to female brewers. Unbelievable. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. It's, it's just, um, this is something else. A routine household task. Humans have been drinking beer for almost 7,000 years. Cheers to that. Here, we're going to take a sip. And the original brewers were women, from the Vikings to the Egyptians. Women brewed beer both for religious ceremonies and to make a practical, calorie-rich beverage for the home. Trust me, I know. I got a little bit of belly right here. In fact, the nun Hildegard von Bingen, who lived in modern day Germany, famously wrote about hops in the 12th century and added the ingredient to her beer recipe from the Stone Age to the 1700s. And by the way, everything that she's writing here, which I think is great because the more information you can get, the better. Um, It it has like a hyperlink. So Hildegard has a hyperlink. The Stone Age has a hyperlink. Everything she's writing about these women doing (laughs) beers. Back then, have a hyperlink. From the Stone Age to the 1700s, ale and later beer was a household staple for the most fami- for most families in England and other parts of Europe. The drink was an inexpensive way to consume and preserve grains. For the working class, beer provided an important source of nutrients, full of carbohydrates and proteins. Because of the beverage was uh, uh, because the beverage was such a common part of the average person's diet. Fermenting was, for many women, one of their normal household tasks. Some enterprising women took this household skill to the marketplace and began selling beer. Widows or unmarried women used their fermentation prowess to earn some extra money, while married women partnered with their husbands to run their beer businesses, exiling women from the industry. So, if you travel back in time to the Middle Ages or the Renaissance, And went to a market in England, you'd probably see an oddly familiar sight. Women wearing tall, pointy hats. In many instances, they'd be standing in front of big cauldrons. But these women were no witches. They were brewers. They wore tall, pointy hats so their customers would see them in crowded marketplaces. They transported their brew in cauldrons. And those who sold their beer out of stores had cats, not as demon familiars, but to keep mice away from the grain. Just as women were establishing their foothold in the beer markets of England, Ireland, and the rest of Europe, the Inquisition began. The fundamentalist religious movement, which originated in the early 16th century, preached stricter gender norms and condemned witchcraft. Male brewers saw an opportunity. They reduced their competition in the beer trade, and these men accused female brewers of being witches and using their cauldrons to brew up magic potions instead of booze. and Unfortunately, the rumors took hold. Over time, it became more dangerous for women to practice brewing and selling beer because they could be misidentified as witches. At the same time, being accused of witchcraft wasn't just a social faux pas. It could result in prosecution or a death sentence. Women accused of witchcraft were often ostracized in their communities, imprisoned, or even killed. Some women didn't really believe that women brewers were witches. However, many did believe that women shouldn't be spending their time making beer. The process took time and dedication, hours to prepare the ale, sweep the floors, clean the and lift the heavy bundles of rye and grain. If women couldn't brew ale, they would have to significantly they would have more uh, significantly more time at home to raise their children. In the 1500s, some towns such as Chester, England, actually made it illegal for most women to sell beer, worried that young alewives would grow up into old spinsters. Men still run the show. The, The icons of witches with their pointy hats and cauldrons has endured, as has men's domination over the beer industry. The top 10 beer companies in the world are headed by male CEOs and have mostly male board members. Major beer companies have tended to portray beer as a drink for men. Some scholarly, uh, some scholars have even gone as far as calling beer ads manuals on masculinity. The, this gender bias seems to persist in smaller craft breweries as well. A study from Stanford University found that while 17% of craft beer breweries have one female CEO, only 4% of these businesses, have even a female brewmaster, the expert serve, uh, supervisor who oversees the brewing uh, process. It doesn't have to be this way. For much of history, it wasn't. Very interesting article here. By the way, this was the phone call that interrupted the show. Hey, how are you, Dominic? This is Joe, one of the PAs in the emergency department. Just calling to let you know your COVID test was negative. Thank you. So my COVID test was negative, and we could all just breathe a sigh of relief. This next article we have here is from Tagesschau out of Deutschland, tagesschau.de. So this is a legitimate, like, German website. It says here, brewers are to be reimbursed for costs of spo- uh, spoiled beer. And this is excellent because this is just right from the Germany, the Ger- right from Germany. Breweries are to be reimbursed for the cost of spoiled beer due to the Corona restrictions. Mind you, this has been uh, translated from English to uh, from German to English. This was decided at a switch of the states with the responsible federal ministries," said a spokeswoman from the Bavarian Ministry of Economic Affairs. According to this, this should be done within the framework of bridging aid three, and affect not only brewers but winemakers. The federal information on this would be adjusted during the day. Breweries have the problem during the current restrictions that draft beer is hardly for sale because restaurants are closed and there are no popular festivals. Since the expiration date is approaching or exceeded for more and more barrels, beer worth millions had been poured away recently, according to brewers in Germany. Some breweries also gave away the beer. That's the article. Germany is just such a great country. I mean, can you imagine... Can you imagine if the government if our government was like, you know what? Beer is so a part of our culture, we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna make sure that no or these none of these breweries go under anything bad happens to you guys. Wouldn't that be spectacular? I love the Germans and their beer and the culture of beer. I wish the United States could could develop that type of beer love. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, guys? The Gemmunischkeit. You get it. You know, I will say this. The German people and the German culture has a very big uh, status when it comes to beer. But the Czech Republic is not too far behind. I mean, they they have a lot of history with beer and stuff like that. And I think it's time for me to maybe try to... Oh, hold on a second. Did you hear that click? Last time that happened the recording stopped. Okay, it didn't happen here. Um. I think it's rather important that maybe sometime I do a little deep dive on the Czech Republic here. And a beer of, in the beer loving Czech Republic, a year of COVID 19 has seen catastrophic change. And this is from vinepair.com, written by Evan Rail. Mm. The Czech Republic is a favorite destination of beer history fans, thanks to its role as the home of both the first Pilsner and the original Budweiser's, which later lent their name to the brand from St. Louis. And beyond that historical importance, the Central European country of 10 million inhabitants is also famous for its big contemporary achievement, drinking the world's largest amount of beer per capita, a rank that has held every year for the past 28 years. With hundreds of charismatic pubs, great beer festivals, and atmospheric old breweries like Eau Founded in 1499, the Czech Republic's stunning capital of Prague has long been on the bucket list for beer travelers anywhere. But a full year of the coronavirus arrived here. Oh, excuse me. But a full year after the coronavirus arrived here and with some of the worst COVID-19 numbers in Europe, the Czech Republic is struggling. Starting uh, the new year with an infection and death rate higher than uh, it's the highest in the world. The country is still largely under lockdown and has even enacted a ban on drinking alcohol in public, which certainly won't help local beer sales. Uh, sales. The current situation is catastrophic, says Václav Horsey, an, immunolo- an immunologist. I've been drinking at the Czech Academy of Sciences. He said it on the television earlier this month. And he was describing the pandemic in general. He could have been talking about the status of the country's storied beer culture. In the 12 months since the virus has been first detected uh, in the Czech lands on March 1st, 2020, the Czech beer uh, industry has been deeply impacted. With With the hospitality business under a series of lockdowns, it's difficult to know exactly how many pubs have closed for good. Scores of breweries have also closed, at least temporarily. Fans of Czech brewing are left wondering how much will things change? Tomas Meyer, an economist at the Czech University of Life Sciences who studies the beer industry, says that the decrease in the duty paid on beer is the most accurate measure of the decline in terms of production. In total, there was a decrease of 12.4%, Meyer says. Small breweries with an annual production of 10,000 hectoliters, which is about 8,500 barrels, decreased about 14.5%, while big breweries would have over uh, 170,000 barrels decreased by 11.6%. So it is is affecting the small... I mean, it's the same here. The smaller breweries obviously are being affected more than the big guys, obviously. Those numbers gain greater weight when one considers the outsized importance of beer for the Czech populace, for whom brewing, malting, and hop growing remain major industries. The Czech Republic might be the world's 86th largest country in terms of its population but it ranks 19th in its total beer consumption. Wow. Um, The country's world-beating per person average beer consumption hit 399 U.S. pints in 2019, outpacing its southern neighbor Austria in second place by more than 80 liters per person. The average Czech drinks almost twice as much beer as the average German and more than two and a half times as much beer as the average American. You know, I have to maybe try to analyze this. I have a beer show. I take a lot of pride in beer, and I have a lot of it. Now, can I maybe sit down here and do the math of how many of how many ounces or pints of beer that I've had in maybe a year? Can I sit down here and do that? I'm going to pause right now. I'm going to see if I can do that kind of math right now. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Number one, someone's vacuuming upstairs. I can't control that. And number two, I'm fucking, I'm actually a little bit flabbergasted by this. So I think I, okay, so I didn't take into account my personal drinking because I do drink off the show, okay, as well as drinking on the show. But I'm drinking for, I did did a 2019 sample where I took a month off because of the pain when I say because of the pain, I mean because my equipment was destroyed. But thanks to the great listeners of Three Beards in, including the mammoth that is Jersey Pete Sullivan, I was able to have this wonderful equipment to continue on. So I took that month where I did 30 episodes where I have about two tall boys each episode, which is 960 ounces. And I have two to four tall boys before and during the show. Like, you know, I have like I just had the Kronbachers and stuff like that. And I had the little babies and stuff like that. So when I go off the rails, I go to maybe like 1920 in a, in the year that I did those shows. Either way, we're looking at two two thousand three hundred four ounces of beer. Okay, so I asked Siri, who she's a pretty reliable human being. I mean, person when it comes to that, that was like a hundred and like eighty pints, and like these fucking checks, they have three ninety nine, and I was like, I I think I could fucking drink. The same amount that these uh, checks do. Now, I I think I may be hit in the 200s because I'm drinking, you know, off the show and stuff. I was doing, like, kind of strictly these, like, show numbers. Man, someone's really vacuuming the fuck out of shit up there. But I'm a little bit like, oh, my God, I thought maybe I could hang with these motherfuckers. These guys are drinking double what I do. And I have a weekly fucking beer show. You know, sometimes I can't make it, but still... That's a lot of beer. And it also makes me realize that I drink just as much as the average American, I guess, which is pretty interesting. So when I do tell doctors that I drink socially, I guess I'm right. But the ongoing lockdown in the country, those numbers are changing. And it's how people drink beer here in the Czech Republic. Beer, quote, is long meant to be, quote, on draft with bottles and cans ranking behind kegs in terms of total volume sold. I can't argue with them there. I love a draft beer. I really love a draft beer over a bottle or a can, honest to god. So I'm with them on that. During the pandemic, packaged beer sales grew substantially according to Grant McKenzie, chief marketing officer of Asahi, As- uh, sorry, Asahi Europe in the uh, the owner of Pilsner Urquell, one of uh, the three large Czech breweries and and all jokes aside, Pilsner Urquell is a fantastic pilsner. Okay, Nuremberg, right? So the um the owner of Nuremberg he has a dedicated Pilsner O'Kell tap, where because that's his favorite beer, it's a dedicated tap. It's like in the corner of the beer hall, like it's it, it's a it's a marvelous thing to see. And you know, when you're drinking from that tap, you know you're drinking with the with the owner of the place, which is really cool. Uh, "Quote in the total market, entree draft beer is heavily down, but retail packaged goods, cans and bottles is up," McKenzie says. But it doesn't compensate. But it is up. The switch to drinking cans and bottles at home marks a change that could be threatened by a beloved local institution, the traditional Czech hospita or pub. I'm afraid that people won't be uh, used to going to pubs anymore, Meyer says. That really scares me. While all pubs and restaurants are currently closed in the Czech lands, they have been allowed to open off and on throughout the temp- uh, pandemic after a strong initial lockdown that started on my birthday march 14 2020 you know i really hope that you know this is like reading an article about germany losing uh some of the the losing their beer culture like for example when we found out here on three beers in that like oktoberfest was canceled you know that was devastating to the psyche of beer because oktoberfest is the you know it's like the 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 mecca of beer festivals and beer happenings right you do an oktoberfest special i've done an oktoberfest special every time every year that i've done something i i rotate i actually um schedule three beers in around oktoberfest now season end on, when oktoberfest begins new season begins when oktoberfest ends like that's how it's going to work on the show that's how it is that's so you have to understand i mean we have this very wonderful culture of beer and I understand, you know, that we, in America, we have the the craft beer culture, which is really fun and fantastic. But it's really uh, unfortunate where you see these countries where the beer culture is a part of their culture. It's like losing baseball or something. Imagine if, like, just baseball disappeared. How would some people feel? Or football? Imagine if just football just fell off the face of the earth. Right? You'd be fucking devastated, wouldn't you? So, I mean, I really hope that these uh, these places can pull through and the people continue on because maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel here maybe we will get through this soon i really hope we do because i know i'm going to some breweries right afterwards that's what i'm gonna do and for those of you that are brave enough to go now godspeed godspeed to our beer drinkers out there time for the beer review ladies and gentlemen So, like I said before, we are drinking from Sweetwater Brewing Company, Fresh Sticky Nugs, from the Dank Tank series, a hazy double IPA. says here on the can, bored with his ho-hum, habitual hop harvest, farmer McDank Nugs turned in, uh, Oh, turned to a bohemian band of brewers to continue his life's lust of lupalin, uh and source of the freshest, finest flowers for which to brew. Though their harvest differs every year, the results is always a decidedly dank IPA. The dank tank is where our brewers go to play. There's no rhyme or reason to what they brew, and the only requirement is that it be heady. It's an 8% ABV, and it says a series of rarely released randomness from the hombres of headiness I like this brewery. I, I like what they got going on here. It's a very it's a very crafty brewery. When I say a very crafty brewery, you look at the can. You look at what they're talking about. You look at what they're all about. It seems that they're really, really embracing craft beer. So I think that's really cool. So what do we get here? We pour it out here. We get a slightly hazy and slightly uh, amber beer here. About a finger ahead with some uh, heavy lacing, but not entirely opaque. Does not look like a juice bomb. It doesn't really look hazy. I mean, technically, it's hazy, but this is not the prototypical haziness that you think about. When you think about hazy IPAs and the Apus and stuff like that, the Apus, you you know, you're looking at like you can't see through it. I could see my my fingers through it, sort of like the shadows of it. But there's some really nice lacing here. Um, you know, it seems really interesting. So let's get a nose on it, shall we? Extremely malt forward aroma. Like I really hope. I didn't wait too long to have this beer because the hop aroma is just so subdued it smells very sweet with like a touch of citrusy pine there (laughs) very sweet very very sweet not as dank as like it was you know when they talk about it on the can here sticky nugs I I think I was expecting like a really hoppy aroma it's not coming through here but um, it doesn't smell bad I'll tell you that much it's like one of your, like, classic East Coast IPAs, not your Niapas. You know, it's not hot bomb. You know, it's kind of like a mellow IPA, but it's a double, right? It's a double IPA, 8%. So let's give it a flavor taste here, shall we? Mm. Interesting. There's like a very pleasant floral hoppy flavor there that wrestles with the sweetness throughout. It is boozy. It is sweet. It's like, the, it's like those um, sweet orange sliced gummies that you get that have the sugar on them. There's a caramel flavor there and a touch of citrus. I'm a little surprised at the herbal and floral flavors that I'm getting here that's imparting. But a little bit of a dry finish. Um, the 8% is there. It's a little boozy, like I said. Quite drinkable for that high of an ABV very smooth, very mellow uh, nice mouthfeel but again a little it's also a little harsh on the back bite there. it's a little bit of a bite but I really like the freshness of this of this beer um, just not what I was expecting in terms of the the description. I thought I was gonna get something a little bit more dank a little bit more hoppy um, The sweetness isn't overpowering. The thing that I like about this beer so much is that it's extremely balanced. Okay. Um, it's it's not it, it it's not uh, far gone either way. You know, it's not too hoppy, it's not too sweet, it's not too sweet, it's not too hoppy, it's kinda right in the middle. Got a good booziness to it. I think if they kinda like maybe did a little a bit of a workaround with what they described here, even if you look at the um, the can. There's hops all over it. It's a green can. Now, it says here on the can, can condition for fresher taste. Check the VIEB date on the can. I cannot tell you what the acronym means right now, but it says here um, 11321. So we're a bit late. Um, and maybe if it was fresher, I would get a better flavor profile, but I mean, it's not terrible. Which is why I give it a 6.8. And I think a 6.8 is a pretty solid score. I don't think that it says that it is awful. And I don't think that it says that it is something to write home about. But I think a 6.8 is fair in terms of what we're dealing with here. So, um, you know, I just, I kind of wish that it wasn't as boozy. As that eight percent is right there, and you know, it's a, it's a reminder throughout. You know, it's not burning, but it's there. That eight percent. But you know, I just I just think it's a decent double IPA. You know, uh, I just wish it was maybe a little bit more dank, but I, I don't know. If you're a malt-forward IPA kind of guy, uh, I think you would give it a higher rating. Some excellent lacing on the glass. I'll say that again. So if you're into also that. Hmm kind of reminds me of like a um the ninjaverse unicorn series. It's actually growing on me a little bit. It might it might reach a 7 by the time I'm done with it, but I'm going to leave it at 6.8. It's a, it's a fair score, you know? I I think I'm rating them pretty good uh recently. I don't think that that is like too far out of the realm of uh of score, but I really appreciate you guys listening in. Don't forget that you could always go to www3 Check out the website. You could search through the website for beers that you're might. This is a pretty cool feature. There's a search bar. There's a search part. You could search through. If you're having a beer and you want to see if it's been done on three beers in before, hit the search. See if it's there. If it's there, you could hear about that beer as you drink it right there. Check that out. There's also a merch tab where you can get yourself some shirts and some other stuff. I think I'm going to bring down the phone cases because it's like an iPhone, like, I don't know, 10 or whatever. Or like a 9-9-S or whatever. I don't know what the fuck. No one even uses a Galaxy anymore. But anyway, I'm really glad that everyone joined me here today for Three Beers In. I'm so glad. Thank you all for listening. Sweetwater Brewing Company, Fresh Snicky Nuggets. March 7th, ladies and gentlemen. Next week's my birthday. I hope I'll be here to do a show, a birthday show. It'll be fun. It'll be nice. And Hopefully I have a delicious beer with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to catch you all, I hope, next week. All right. Stay safe, everybody. God bless you. I'll catch you on the flip side. Take care, everybody.